Pokémon. Like on the beach, I was just like, I was drunk. Okay, I'm ready for, I'm ready for Halloween. I was, sh- fucking hammered last yeah. yesterday. Uh-huh. You and Chris were hammered. Yeah, well, Chris and I were a drunkity drunk drunk uh-huh. wasty pants. The day before that, I was pretty drunk. Yeah, the day before that was me and you. So the theme is, I'm always <laughs> drunk at the drunk. beach. <laughs> and then people join me by being drunk at the beach. Yeah, I'm really ready for Halloween. Do you know what you're gonna be at for Halloween? No, because that's like the least important part to me. Like it's not everything else about halloween is more, is more interesting to me than the dressing up part mm. but that still doesn't mean that i do enjoy the dressing up part yeah i just am more i actually more enjoy seeing other people dress up yeah but i do get excited about mine because but I, they usually end up being a little bit obscure just because I'm yeah they are a film major weird person like but they're that. so fun yeah i don't know i don't know what i want to be this year jordan and i are going to be buttercup and wesley from the princess bride Yes. Oh, no, yeah, you talked about that. That's my big plan. Or, yeah. so I started thinking this week because I was looking at Etsy and shit like that to try to, like, buy my costumes and whatever. Uh-huh. And then I got inspired because then I watched Enchanted. And I was like, we could be, <gasps> we Elsa could be Giselle. Elsa and Patrick Dempsey. Yeah, Giselle and McDreamy. Or Giselle, not Elsa. Whoa. Giselle. Yeah. <laughs> or we could be Sexy Gandalf and Sexy Gollum. <gasps> or Please. we could be Aragorn and Arwen. There's so many options. Ooh, so many. You so could be Liv Tyler. I want to save like the big, really cool costumes for a costume contest, though. So that's why I'm like Buttercup and Wesley. True. That's cute. Everyone will get it. That's it's not going to win a costume contest, though. Yeah, it's not going to win a costume contest. Yeah, I'm only going to have to drop like, I don't know, five or $600 instead of like two grand <laughs> on Halloween this year. So. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, when I was looking at my uh, the Khaleesi and Jon Snow costumes, uh-huh. Like the wig I was going to buy was like 300 and something dollars. Ooh. And I was like, yes. But then Game of Thrones season eight sucked. Suck and so dick. Jordan, I don't want to be Khaleesi Jon Snow. Yeah. We're going to wait until like for a couple years. Y'all can be the Chernobyl scientists from Chernobyl. Ooh, you guys can be our victims. <laughs> ooh, ooh, that'd be actually crazy ass makeup. That would be fun. Because it got crazy intense. That would be, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that'd but. be crazy. I don't know if so, if seven hash and crimp, cropped off. <laughs> seven yes. and a half inch crop top <laughs> and i are like a thing i i would want to do i guess a couple i wouldn't like if he didn't want to do it i'd be like cool whatever and i wouldn't really care but if he wants to do it then i'd, I'd totally be up for it so that'd be cute you guys could be something so fun yeah uh-huh i love it i don't know what we would do there's so many fun like it would just be some sexy content. version of, of something something like it, not mario bros because that's super overdone yeah um i don't know you guys could be sexy. Oh, you guys could be a sexy something from Star Wars. I don't know. Sexy Star Wars. Sexy character. Han Solo and Chewbacca. <laughs> oh, sexy 3PO and R2D2. Yes, there we go. He could be R2D2 and I'll be 3PO. Yes. You're just wearing like a gold bodysuit. A gold cock. Yeah. Oh, yes. A gold robot cock. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. I love it. Nothing else but just a gold plated robot cock. Yes. That's it. <laughs>
So let's let's jump into this. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Hey. Welcome to Anyways Hazard Sex Life, California edition. Hey, bitches. We are your slutty and very sunburned hosts. I'm Channa. I'm Corey. And welcome, everybody. We are hey. coming to you almost live because you'll be listening to this like two hours after we record. Uh huh. From good old Southern California, we are in Huntington Beach right now, and it's perfect. Perfect. It's perfect. Why are we in this dark room recording? Utah sucks. This sucks. Yeah, we've been getting drunk at the beach. Past we have days. been smoking weed. Past two days. We have been eating snacks. Past we've two been days. watching Lifetime movies. Oh, we have been yes. living the goddamn motherfucking dream. We watched Dazed and Confused last night. We did. Yeah. It was, it's was. it been a perfect California weekend. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that is why everything probably sounds different to you guys because we are in a completely different room. There is no blanket fort involved. It is just us sitting in my cousin's room. Yeah. We put up a, like a couple blankets to just like dampen the room a bit, but there's going to be some echoing, but just deal with it for this one time. But deal with it because we're on, we're on party mode. Yeah. Well, let's just uh, jump into it, shall okay. we? Okay. Yeah. My faggot fact. So my faggot fact is really cool today. Um, it is transgender or non-binary video game characters. Ooh. Okay. So some of these, pe- some of these you'll you'll know. I would say most of these, a good amount of people won't exactly know, but you might have at least heard of the video game franchise. Okay. So the first one's super easy. Most people have seen this character, and everyone knows this franchise. So it's Birdo from uh, Super Mario Bros. Two. Cute. So um, Super Mario Bros. One, I'm sure everybody knows about. Super Mario Bros. Two is actually like one of the most obscure Mario Bros. games. Um, because it's like semi, I think it's just like weirdly black and white or just weird. It's just a weird game. Okay. It's a weird ass game. So anyways, there is a character named Birdo. Birdo is the first trans character and made her debut in 1998's Super Mario Bros. 2. In the description of her in the book, because, you know, video games used to have like a little booklet that came out with them. Oh, yeah. Um, it stated that she was a boy who thinks he's a girl and likes to be called Birdetta. Oh. So that was like officially from the book. Um, basically, Nintendo has been referring to Birdo as female since then. But like when the book came out, it uh, it was supposed to be a she was a boy who thinks he's a girl and likes to be called Birdetta. She starts out as an antagonist in this film and then eventually switches over to be- become like the Birdetta, pink Birdetta that we know. Okay. Um, or Birdo, sorry, Birdo that we know. She does this in first in Mario Kart, and then I think she comes out in Mario Party. I, I can't remember exactly. But she also comes out in Super Smash Brothers Brawl. Um, so in Super Smash Brothers Brawl, Birdo is described as gender in, gender intermediate, and it is referred to as an it. Um, in Japan, Birdo is typically referred to as a he, and then in the U.S. and Europe, she is referred to as a she. Huh. So um, people can't really decide what her gender exactly is going to be. Um, also, originally in in the book, in like the Mario Bros. Two, it states that he or, or he thinks he's a girl and spits eggs from his mouth. Oh, um, so me too. Yeah. <laughs> right. So this isn't like, Sex this fun. might not be the best representation of transgender. Um, some of the pronoun usage isn't exactly un- hitting, you know, isn't like a- exactly correct. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, it's still like an interesting representation of that transgender exists and, and people are, can be transgender in 1988. Yeah. That's a long fucking time yeah, so ago. That's a long fucking time ago. And I guess that's, it's at least noteworthy to, yeah. to bring up, but, but not the best uh, representation. Because right. even today, I think it's just in the U.S. We've just made Bird Birdo be, become Birdetta and then just be female. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's like in uh, Sailor Moon, Sailor Uranus. Not Uranus. <gasps> yes, yeah. In Japan, while Japan, the counterpart really doesn't have a problem with it. Yeah, yeah. Because just... Birdetta is still referred to as a male. Mm. So that could be like either non-binary 
just again, in the end, it might just not be the best representation. Most of these aren't, but I will end with one that is. Cool. Um, because it's just, you know, these were mostly older 90s video games, but one of them is very recent and is a, is a good representation. Yes. So the second one is Poison and the palette swap of Roxy and Final Fight. So Final Fight is a game that came out in 1989, so we're still in the 80s here. What's up? Um, And it is a Japanese-based game, I believe. And they are like made, um, and it's basically one of those uh, fighter side skites or side scrollers. Sorry, that was a little hard to say. And it basically, that's one of those games where like it's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or the Simpsons game where you choose a character and you're walking along a street and just you know it's a side scroller. So the you're yeah. just walking along a street, you can pick up a trash can and throw it at somebody, or you can punch or kick them. Fun stuff like flashback that. Friday. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, when I said palette swap, a palette swap in a video game is basically like you have the same exact animation of the character, but again, you, you swap out the colors on the, the color palette. Okay. So instead of red hair, this uh, character uh-huh. that you would say is a different green. character, quote unquote, uh, has green hair Okay. and something like that. That's just a palette swap. So it so the, her names are Poison and Roxy. Uh-huh. Okay. Actually, look up, look up Poison Final Fight and go to like the images. She's fucking hot. <laughs> like go her. Her fucking thighs and just like fucking in her heels. She's awesome. I just fucking love her look. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Poison wasn't originally intended to be a trans character. She was supposed to be a female character, but then the develops the developers basically didn't think that it was appropriate when the uh, game ported to the U.S. I believe, or even just in the in J- Japan. I don't remember. But they they think it wouldn't be okay to hit a woman, so instead they try they decided to make the character trans, so it would quote unquote be okay. Ugh. That is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is not correct. Um, this is not a good example of like tra- trans representation because yeah. they're just like, oh, we can't hit a woman, so we better make him trans. So we're gonna make him trans. It'll be more okay because they're ah. basically a man anyways. No, that is not okay. So, Back. however, over the years, there have been, like, different versions of these, like, sequels to this game, and there have been, like, different ver- uh, different video game genre types. So, instead, there's, like, a fighter version of Final Fight instead of just that side-scroller. Okay. Um, and there have been, like, way better representations of Poison and Roxy now. And they're just, like, totally uh, so, trans So, they're characters. getting better. Yeah. It got Gross. way better for her. Things got better. Good for her. That's terrible. Yeah. We Sadly... Make Sorry. Them, uh, we better just make make them trans. No, literally, just that's like the whole. You, there's actually a really cool. If you go on YouTube and you type in "Poison Final Fight," there is a like 24 minute mini documentary about it. It's actually really interesting. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, basically, even though this representation of her in the game, she is now fully trans, uh, a trans character. Um, however, when you have like PR discussions about the game, because this is a frequent thing that's brought up once in a while to the developers, the developers will say that let's set the record straight in North America, Poison is officially post-op transgender, but in Japan, she simply tucks her business away to look female. I don't, and that's just a little, I don't think that was necessary. I mean, that's actually really interesting though, that in North America, yeah, the trans is fully upsec- accepted before in Japan. Yeah, I always thought that Japan was a little bit more like sexually forward and that sort of well, thing. They definitely are in porn. Rep- re- yeah, yeah. Senpai. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that's such a problem, or that was a problem in that situation there. Who knows? All- um, but things got better for Poison. Uh, still, they're a little eh today, but you know, they, at least they got a little better. Yeah. Yeah. So there is. I'll get on to one last one last uh, character. 
Um, I did have six characters in store, but I'm actually going to save them for later and do these a little bit later. And they get a teeny bit repetitive too. Um, so there's one in Dragon Age Inquisition that came out in 2014. One of the best games I've ever played. I really like it. A lot of people didn't. I really like the game. It's really fucking fun. So fuck everyone else. Yeah, there is a character called Krem. Uh, his his name is Cremesius Akalasi, something like that. That's his real full name. Sounds but like they a just porn. call him Krem. Krem. Okay. Krem de la Fresh. So basically, Krem is a part of a mercenary, um, a mercenary like a legendary mercenary uh, organization within the world of Dragon Age. Okay. That is led by this guy named the Iron Bull, who ends up being in your party because this is like an RPG where. You choose and make your character, and then you can like encounter ten other characters or NPCs that can be a part of your party, but you can only choose like four of them. Mm. So Iron Bull can be a part of your party, and then he comes to your keep and lives in your keep, and is like a part of your team for the mm. rest of the game. Is he hot? Uh, mm, nah. He, he's a bull. He's like a different species. Oh well. <laughs> okay, yeah, but like the he can be gay. Beast? He can be one of the gay uh romances. Okay. Yeah. So he has a dick. It's definitely big. It's because <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's like ten feet tall. Damn. <laughs> like I would be. He would into dick it. you down. Like I could do it. <laughs> if he just took his pants off, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> it's like the beast from Beauty and the Beast. He's so much hotter. Than no, the beast. literally, it's like that. Yeah. 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 He's a little. He's a little scruffy. Like the animation is a little weird with his like head and face so but i'm sure if he just took off his pants i'd be like okay I can yeah do so you hear you heard it here first everybody <laughs> i would fuck iron bull cord fuck iron bull <laughs> so he has the mercenaries or so he's a canary the quinari i think that's that's that iron bull's race they are literally like half bull humanoids They're, okay it's weird so basically, Krem is a part of the mercenary team that Iron Bull leads. So they come with you and are a part of your cause as well. Mm -hmm. So you can talk to them. And the, he is the leader of the mercenary group is this guy named Krem. Okay. But he's obviously a uh, trans man. And ha like you can even look at his backstory. He'll even mention stuff about his backstory. And if you go on the wiki page for Dragon Age Inquisition, this is what it says. It says, despite being assigned female at birth, Krem used to pretend to shave alongside his dad as a child. As a grown-up, he hid his trans identity and paid off a medical examiner to join the all-male military so he could keep his family out of poverty. Because falsifying military records is a capital offense, he had to flee when his trans identity was discovered, but he was or rescued by the leader of the mercenary group he currently works for. He was rescued by Iron Bull. Oh. Yeah. Iron Bull's very accepting. Yeah. And he's that big dick. That's cool. Oh, and I, I will add just to like... Uh, like uh was it bioware who made this they're a video game developer yeah, yeah they are really they're really positive about putting in uh originally uh lesbian and then gay characters who you can uh, talk to and romance with and then now they're being aware of transgender characters with go, this go bio bioware yeah um they had i think they had a little bit of problem recently Ooh. but you know <laughs> i think it was more just them not being aware i don't really know i don't okay. know all that controversy so please don't quote me on that yeah um but they said although krem is voiced by a cisgender female voice actor his developers had gender queer friends read over his backstory to ensure that he was a positive non-triggering representation of openly trans video game characters so they obviously really tried so they really tried yeah to be like hey like this is i have a friend who is transgendered male like let's get him in and see if we are you know we're accurately yeah, yeah re representing them or positively representing them because you can represent you know as we just seen you you can represent uh, transgender people and be horrible about it yeah and then also sometimes there's a tendency to be to have a really negative story 
around that person. And that's really, that's really bad to have just negative representation. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm done. That's it. There'll be more it. of this in the future. That was a little long. My bad. I love it. I love <laughs> yeah. it. That so that's my transgender shit. What? That makes me want to play video games. Yeah. yeah I don't sort of play video games. I haven't played video games in a very long time. Yeah. I always want to around like Halloween too. And it's almost. Like, ha- I know. I'm so we're excited. Like, it's almost Halloween. It's August 12th. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was thinking when we were talking about our stuff, I was like, we're having like a conversation that like other podcasters will have at the beginning of October. Yeah. Right. And I was like, <laughs> so I'm going to be this for Halloween. <laughs> what shall we do about our murder mystery party? Let's plan this now. I know. Right. Oh my God. Okay, well, I'll go into my spooky scoop because my spooky scoop ties into my segment today. Yeah. So, in my spooky scoop today is about milk carton kids. Mm. So, in 1984, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children was founded after a rise in missing children all over the U.S. Um, in September of 1984, Anderson, Erickson, Dairy, in Iowa began printing the photographs of two boys who went missing on their newspaper routes. So, a similar milk carton advertising program for missing children launched in Chicago. And then towards the end of 1984 and the beginning of 1985, the nonprofit National Child Safety Council began a nationwide program called the Missing Children Milk Carton Program Fun. in the United States. Um, and that's when they would put that's when they would put the missing children photos that we all can probably remember from our childhood all over the milk cartons. Now, by March of 1985, 700 of the the 1,600 independent dairies in the United States had adopted the practice of publishing photos of missing children on their milk cartons. So that's a a lot of them. It's pretty cool. Now, Eaton Pats was one of the very first children um, that was ever on a milk carton, and he's who I'm going to be talking about today. He's actually kind of known as like the milk carton kid. He's like the poster child for... Eaton Pats? Yeah. Or Mm -hmm. Eton Pats. Okay. Um, now, an estimated 5 billion milk cartons were distributed during the program's heyday, though its Jesus. successes were very few. That's a lot of fucking milk. Yeah, that's a lot of fucking milk. Yuck. Now, milk carton kids, they faded throughout the years. They became non-existent after Amber Alert was released in 1996. They are still, like, I think, like, in the early 2000s, there was some, there were still some missing kid cartons, like, here and there. But Amber Alert was a much faster and easier way to get news mm-hmm. and information about missing children out to everybody and cheaper so they switched to that pretty much okay. but um so yeah so that is the history of milk carton kids and today my subject is about one of the very first kids eton pats eton cool or pates whichever. pates eating titties eating eating titties eating that dick <laughs> we're the bullies the day before he goes missing on the playground yeah like, eating titties what's up eating, eating my dick what's going on <laughs> poor kid poor eton oh my Pat. god was he found N- no <laughs> oh, shit. i didn't tell you this now it's not a happy story all of a sudden, like his like spirit comes through the like blanket behind yeah you. right like, he's like fuck you <laughs> like milk gets thrown at me <laughs> milk it's milk yeah milk because he's a milk carton kid oh oh, <gasps> oh no he's a child he tells us it's milk no it's ghost cum. oh he's a child i'm done ah it's a child what's worse than a rapist a child oh <laughs> fuck okay your turn i mean i would assume his he would grow up <laughs> as a ghost aren't you like permanent you you would be that age he's forever a ghost that's kid. true okay it was milk so he's a first grader <laughs> you pervert <laughs> you just hear me hit my head against the wall yeah like until I we hear sirens in the distance like coming up to the house right now <laughs> i'm like i need a new podcast like, host because Chuck cory was a pervert a child <laughs> a child 
Um, okay, so mine today is about, uh, speaking of children, <laughs> mine is about Ritual Games Part 4, bitch. <laughs> I said I would stop doing them, but we're on vacation and we've been getting drunk and high for the past three days. So, like, I needed to do something that was a little straightforward instead of, like, oh. getting five contradicting facts every 10 minutes from, like, 45 websites. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And these are fun and they're super spooky. I like them. <clears throat> Okay, so let's get into this. Uh, the first one is called Sweet Tooth. Ooh. Ooh. So what is Sweet Tooth? It's another Russian game that involves summoning an imp or gnome or generic uh, devil. Uh, basically, whatever sort of like spooky shit you want. Balak. Um, and then they eat your chocolate. <laughs> oh, that's not the only thing they eat. Yeah. Oh. oh. Um, you can use this as a light divination spell to like uh, sort of like get some answers to a question you have. Um, but basically, it's more just played as a fun little game. Uh, just summoning a little imp or a gnome. So uh, mostly the OG version of this is Russian, and it is specifically summoning a gnome. Um, not much of the origins are known other than basically that, and that the actual game translates specifically to Sweet Tooth Gnome instead of just Sweet Tooth. So many of your ritual games come from Russia. Yeah, the last the last time all of them came from Russia. Russia's crazy. Yeah. Uh, this one and the next one that I will do will come from Mexico. And then the next time I do ritual games, the one of them will come from Japan. And that's what I'm really excited oh, about. That's yeah. going to be crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what you need to play. So you'll need at least two people to play this game. Oh. And the more people you play with, the better it is, actually. Um, and the stronger like the outcome usually is. Uh, you must play the game at night, after midnight, and before dawn. Um, 3 a.m. specifically. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, you need to be as quiet as possible during the game, and you cannot talk louder than a whisper or even laugh. Anyone who can't handle this should not play, as they may jeopardize the whole ritual and put the players in danger, or just, uh, just you know, jeopardize the entire game to even work. Um, a bar of chocolate. Uh, you need a bar of chocolate, a string, or a line of thread, um, a mirror, and a pair of scissors. Okay, so how do you play? You don't. You don't. <laughs> um, step one, take the mirror and place it face up on the floor directly beneath the light in the middle of the room. The fucking mirrors. Every single I know. Fuck game mirrors. involves a mirror. Yeah. Uh, um, the next one doesn't, right? Yeah, the next one doesn't. So, yeah. But the last two, three have, and then this one does. Still, so the, the one with the two mirrors and you sit in between. That's the, the king's two- chair or something yeah, yeah. like that? Fuck that one. Fuck that one. <laughs> yeah, that one's ridiculous. That one's scary. Yeah. Um, so you, again, take the mirror and place it face up on the floor directly beneath the light in the middle of the room. So if you have like a, t- a ceiling titty, yeah. um, like you should pick a room that has a ceiling titty or just like a, a fan in the middle of the room, uh, a ceiling fan, place the mirror directly under it. Um, then you step two, tie the thread around the bar of chocolate and then tie, and then suspend it from the light above so that the chocolate bar is dangling just above the mirror w- within a few inches. Oh, my God. Um, so basically just like, you know, uh, Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible, the chocolate bar there from the, t- the ceiling titty to the like right above the m- mirror. That's a good visual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, step three, everyone playing must create a circle around the mirror. Anyone else must leave the room until the game is over. Uh, step four, one person holds out the scissors and prepares to cut the thread, but do not cut the thread just yet. So you just hold it out in between the shears. Oh, that's so much pressure to be the one holding the scissors. I know. And, like not to cut. <laughs> Another person quickly gets up to switch off the light, but then must hurry back to the circle. As the circle is rejoined, oh, sorry, step six, as the circle is rejoined, um, the person with the scissors cuts the thread so that the chocolate bar falls onto the mirror. Everyone then chants, sweet tooth, sweet tooth, please come three times. <gasps> So you go, sweet tooth, sweet tooth, please come. 
Sweet tooth, sweet tooth, please come. Sweet tooth, sweet tooth, please please come. Just like that. And then someone comes on the mirror. Yeah. That's well, actually like a sex thing. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah this is actually sex rituals. Oh, we this is a sex you... ritual. Yeah. So you're not children. You are 17 years old. You're 18. 18 years old. Oh, <laughs> Jesus oh my God. Again, Corey's going to jail today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to. I'm not releasing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's too incriminating. Goddamn. <laughs> if anybody knew me, they would. If somebody's like, Corey's a pedophile, it'd be like, if you knew me, you'd be like, no. I, I'm like, he likes hairy men. <laughs> I like hairy, like. <laughs> He wants Donald Draper to come fuck yeah, him. Yeah, I want Donald Draper to throw me on a fucking couch. And, and tell me what me. to do. Yeah. Degrade the shit out of me. Just degrade Donald me, Draper. Daddy. Um, did I have I said on this podcast that the first the first time I ever realized that I was into a man was watching Xena Xena Warrior Princess when I was like eight. Oh yeah, you told me. I don't know if you said it for the podcast though. Oh okay. Because so, this when you're on the stairs, right? No, that was for uh, that was Grey's Anatomy. Okay. <laughs> with mcdreamy yeah oh he's so hot um no when i it was like so i was like eight or not eight or nine or maybe seven and we'd watch xena warrior princess and hercules i didn't really care about hercules because he's too much of like a 90s pretty boy uh-huh. he's like a little bit androgynous and it didn't like the long hair didn't really do it for me um but when we did xena warrior princess um every like i don't know like a few times a season uh Ares, the god of war mm-hmm. or hades i believe i think it was Ares. Um, would show up. Actually, it's Hades because they go to the underworld, I believe. So Hades, the god of death, would show up, but he's just this like Italian, like Mediterranean, like dark curly hair, like goatee, just like like uh just like a hairy chest, (laughs) Uh, just like showing between like black leather costume uh, that he has. I would just like every episode, I would even like look at my mom and be like, is Hades going to be on this episode? <laughs> Your mom's like, yeah, we get it, Corey, you're gay. <laughs> but that's, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's me. That's, that's how I knew I was gay. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, anyway, sorry, back to the, this shit. <laughs> um, so ev- uh, step seven, after y'all all say sweet two, sweet two, please come three times. Uh, Everyone must be- remain silent until you hear a rustling sound, which is sweet tooth unraveling the chocolate bar. No. Uh, once the rustling stops, everyone must slowly count to 10. So you sit there and you hear this like, you know, Ew. wrestling with like wrapping paper. Um, and then when it stops, everyone slowly starts counting uh, up from one to 10. Um, step eight, when 10 is reached, the same person who turned off the lights must get up to turn them back on to reveal one of three things. So one, the gnome will have eaten all the chocolate. Two, the gnome or devil or whatever will we'll, uh, have left bite marks in the chocolate. Ugh. Three, the gnome may leave a present of more chocolate. Oh. So. Yeah, I hope number three happens. That rolls. So this is actually the le- the least risky of any of the games that we've gone over. Um, the results uh, are, as I said, used as a divination spell sometimes, or you can just do it to have fun. Um, if Again, if, if he eats your entire chocolate bar, that means there's a good outcome. So you sort of ask like an eight ball-esque question. Okay. Um, to like to Because so the, the answers are limited to those three things. So it's like if he eats the chocolate bar, that's a positive answer. If, if the chocolate bar only has bite marks in it, that means the imp or gnome or demon devil didn't really like your chocolate so it's a negative reply okay and then if he gives you more chocolate that's supposed to be like oh my god yes cool like yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's like when you're at the coffee shop with your friend and they're like oh my god yes yeah <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> um that's pretty positive so like your outcome is yes yes or nah. yeah yeah no yeah it's <laughs> a pretty like safe thing 
Um, the risks for this ritual are minimum, as if you mess up, the worst things that will happen is that a but, portal from the mirror dimension will remain open, which is actually pretty fucking shitty. So the worst thing that's going to happen <laughs> is that a portal from the mirror dimension will remain open, but that's yeah. okay. But that one seems like you have to just be like, start this whole thing and then just walk away and not do it. Yeah. Um, the other one is that... Uh, the gnome will escape into your house and haunt your house, biting your toes at night. It's not that bad. That's so creepy. That's not, that's it's still very creepy. Yeah. Imagine you're like going to bed by yourself, it's like pitch black in your room, and you just feel people something biting your feet. Just like sucking on your toe. Ew. You're just like jacking off. I'm going to kink shame it. <laughs> bitch. <laughs> kink shame that bitch. So yeah, that is uh, Sweet Tooth. Not, not very scary, but a little fun, a little spooky. That's a fun one. Now let's get on to The Red Book or El Juego del Libro Rojo. I'm going to stop you right there. Fuck this. Fuck. Already sounds scary. <laughs> Fuck anything red. <laughs> yeah. The red book, like the red door from Hunting Hill House. Yeah. Fuck it. Uh-uh. Yeah. Also, that's the from Insidious. It's a red door as oh, yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Also, Satan's asshole's red. Yeah. Satan's asshole's red. Our, our assholes are red. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or pink. <laughs> um. So, what is it? It's a game where you summon a spirit to divine the future. Um. Or you call upon multiple spirits. Who knows? Or demons. <laughs> Always demons always um origins of the game the game has mexican origins but also there are multiple claims that it's just uh simply from south america there are any specific exact origins that I, I i could find i searched in spanish and i searched in english and i even read spanish articles and there wasn't it was all just like the same shit that was okay. like ooh, it's most likely probably originated from mexico but we at least know that it originated from south america mm. yeah um how do you need what do you need to play so all you need is a quiet dark room with at least two people a red candle and then of course a solid red hardcover book with only words on its pages no pictures so again it has to be a hardcover book that has a solid red hardcover okay so you can't have any lettering on it or anything which is actually pretty easy to come by because if it's hard hardcover it usually has a sleeve yeah you take off the sleeve and it's just like a solid color most likely Ooh, and you should use like an antique book so it's even creepier Ooh, yeah uh-huh you know uh, in one of the stories that i was reading they like the person could only find a, a book in spanish oh <laughs> and because they didn't because they're white they're like ooh, creepy <laughs> oh scary. like it's just the book in spanish yeah right <laughs> the book's like fuck you <laughs> <laughs> fuck you you fucking white <laughs> you, you like puta bitch <laughs> <laughs> fucking gringo <laughs> gringo bitch mm, just a second but yeah and again also uh no pictures just words in the pages Okay, so how do you play? So you and those who play enter a dark room. Oh, so the dark, the room already has to be dark. Oh. So you enter the dark room, place the red candle in the center of the room, and then make a circle around it. The last one uh, in should close the door and fit into the last open spot, but make sure you know where to go because when you shut the door, it's supposed to be pitch black. So you can just like sort of find your way into the circle. Fuck. Um, once everyone is in place, light the candle. Then one by one, so I guess you need matches. Then one by one, starting with the person to the right of the one who lit the candle so that the order is counterclockwise, each person must place their right palm on the cover of the book, close their eyes, and then ask aloud, Red Book, can I enter your game? Ooh, this is not cool. (laughs) Then keeping their eyes closed, they must point to a random sentence. You open up the book, then point to a random sentence of the book. And if it, and then read it aloud. Um, I, some said you have to read it aloud. Others say you can just read it by yourself, which actually makes it more spooky. Because imagine you're like in a room, in a dark room, lit by one little candle, and people are just like opening the book and then pointing to it and then not saying anything but reacting. But because I'll get to like what you're supposed to do from here on out. But imagine you're just like watching them react in positive or negative ways, and you're like, what the fuck? 
I'm like, ah! <laughs> so that would be more spooky. Let's imagine that. Yeah. So um, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to point to, this is phase one. So in phase one, what everybody is doing is you're asking the question, red book, can I enter your game? Can I enter then you're supposed you? to point to the, do what I said by pointing, you know, opening up the book and blindly pointing to a sentence. You open up your eyes and then you read the sentence. Okay. So if the sentence is positive, then you can go on to t- phase two and enter into the game. Okay. If it's uh, ambiguous, you're supposed to re-ask it, but you can only re-ask it two more times. Oh. And um, if it's ambiguous all those times, uh, then you're just sort of stuck in a loop of being stuck in this game. And the only way to basically get out of it is to get out of it and be haunted for the rest of your life. Oh. Yeah. So that's chill. <laughs> I like open the book. It's like, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> I'm like, fuck. Fuck. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, my God. That scared me. <laughs> yeah, that scared me, too. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> Um, so if it's negative, uh, then you're supposed to, that's supposed to be a, no, you can't play this game. Get the fuck out. And you can either continue to ask it two more times to play the game or you can, uh, you're supposed to say, I'm like sick. uh, You're supposed to say, thank you, red book, or I understand red book and then get up and leave the room in a half bow. What the fuck? Why bow? That's I don't so know. Creepy. That's like so much creepier to me than anything else we've said so far. You imagine know, somebody like walk. It's like the, it's like the aliens. The aliens. <laughs> now it's not scary. It's funny. That was hilarious. What if? Okay, imagine this. You're playing the Red Book game. So let's play. It's like me, you, seven and a half inch grip, seven and a half and inch crop top, and Chris. Yeah. And then like we all we all slowly get up and like leave, but it's just you that's left of the book. That'd be so scary if everyone Oh my else... God, you're the only one that's allowed to go forward. Yeah. I'd be like, I'm singled out literally. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I, this demon wants my nuts. Yeah, oh, yeah, we'll get to the shit like that soon. So then whoever is allowed to go forward or whoever was able to go forward basically is like, okay, cool. So you do phase two where everybody, you continue going counterclockwise um, and you put your right hand on the book again. Um, so let's say it comes back to like you and I are the only ones left. It oh. comes back to me. We're, we've gone on the books that had a positive like the sentence that we read is positive um then we would put our right palm back on the book cover and then think or say aloud the question that we have so they say that to not ask four types of questions so don't ask the spirits how they died you can't uh don't ask them can i speak to blank um, who is also deceased yeah don't just be like can i speak to your manager can i speak to your manager they're like that's satan <laughs> Can I speak to Satan? Can I speak to Satan, please? So you can't ask them, like, if, if you can speak to another deceased or another spirit. You can't ask how they died. You can't uh, ask them to move something or say that they're here. Oh, um, okay. And you can't ask them when you're going to die. They or they, they advise not to ask those questions because it usually annoys them. Yeah. Um, it makes them aggro, like, aggro Yeah, because you're talking to a demon. Exactly, yeah. Because <laughs> the uh, demons don't know how they died because they didn't die. They're demons. Um, this is supposed to be a uh, sort of precursor to Ouija. I was going to say, this Ouija. sounds very, like, yeah. Ouija board. No, it is. So this is, like, this is, uh, in the articles I was reading, it's supposed to, it was said that it's sort of a uh Ouija or Ouija, whatever you want to say it, um, like for South America before white people created Ouija. Cool. Yeah. So um, moving on, basically you're supposed to do the same exact thing. You close your eyes, you open up the red book, and then you point to a random uh, sentence on the page, and then you're supposed to read it. Um, if it's po- you're supposed to then interpret what that says 
as an answer to your question. Okay. So one, you interpret what the actual meaning says. Don't read any context in it because that's not the point. You read what you think comes from that sentence. And then on top of that, you put the only context of, is this sentence overall positive? Is it overall negative? Or is it overall ambiguous? It's kind of like tarot. Yeah. Uh -huh. like no, yeah. Seriously, a little bit of tarot-ish. And you're yeah. like, how do I interpret this for myself? Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, if it is ambiguous or it's not like you can't really interpret the answer, you can try two more times. Um, and if it's, I think at the, at the end there, it was unclear. It was unclear what you do at that point. I think you probably just get up and bow and walk away too. I don't really know. Oh God. <laughs> I was trying to figure out that, but it wasn't super clear. It's because those people are dead. Yeah. But again, if it's negative, it's negative. Um, if it's positive, it's positive. But at this point, you're more interpreting what the words are saying. So you'll okay. know what's going on. Okay. From then on, what you do is you have your answer. It's either positive or negative, and you're like, okay, cool. It has either given you insight, you, it's given you happiness or hope, or it's either just like spooked the fuck out of you, okay? Probably so bad. no matter what, after you have that answer to you, that one question, um, you are then supposed to uh, – it goes back around in the circle. You're still continuing in that counterclockwise motion. And to end it, you say, Red Book, can I leave your game after putting your palm on it? And they're supposed to, again, open up the book, point to another um, sentence. And then you're back to the first phase where it's like you're interpreting if it's a positive or negative or ambiguous answer. Oh if it's ambiguous, you just can continue until you get a positive or negative answer. Um, but the thing is, every time, a sort of little note to anecdote to all of this is every time you try and like, you know, push your luck um, and like, you know, no whammies, no whammies yeah. <laughs> um, to like get another question. If something's ambiguous, it's supposed to like multiply the effect of the positive or negative in your life. Oh, God. So let's say you like try and get an answer to a question and you it's like you're on your third or fourth try and they've all been ambiguous. And then you come to your fifth try and it's positive then it's like a super positive outcome to your question. But if it's negative, your it's fact. like your fact is super negative. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically you try and leave like that. And they say, if you get uh, what will happen sometimes is that uh, what you've been talking to ends up being an evil spirit or a demon. Whoa, wow. So this is one of the biggest risks is because when you try and leave, it will just keep giving you ambiguous answers or you'll just start pointing to sentences that are like fuck you bitch or like really cryptic but e but like sinister underneath Ooh. and so you know that somebody's playing with you i'm so uh, people off. having got like get sentence of like uh characters in the book that are like laughing and be like haha like you'll never get out or like haha fuck you or like literal shit like that it was pretty cool the stuff people would come up with that's cool um, and basically this is meaning that yes, it's an evil spirit. It's a demon and it wants to get something from you and, or that like you haven't like they're not done or, or and it could be semi-positive where it's like, Hey, these spirits obviously want to tell you more. Like maybe it's your deceased father or it's just like spirits who knew you or knew people who knew you and stuff like that. And they want to tell you more. So they won't. And you'll have to go back to phase two, ask questions and then, you know, go through all those phases again. So God. you can get sort of stuck in a shitty loop. Um, some other things that could happen. So basically don't leave the game until everyone was permitted to leave or without bowing. If you have to, if you have to walk out also don't blow out the candle before you break the circle and turn on the lights. So basically, oh yeah, if you do anything that uh, shit will happen, um, doing so will open a portal in your house to the spirit world. Also, those who are not permitted will most likely be haunted and open to possession and remain tied to the spirit world. So if you 
like let's say like us two were here and we're doing it and like you know and seven half inch crop and seven half inch crop top is also here such a mouthful and like i get spooked and we haven't gone through like i'm let's say it's i'm the first one who's trying to leave okay and it won't let me leave and i get spooked and i get up and run out i not only jeopardize myself but i jeopardize y'all because we Thanks, cut Corey. the portal but the portal's still open and we're tied to it through the game <sighs> so i'd fuck y'all over too fuck you Corey. yeah so we're we are open to um the spirit world and we're also open to possessions at this point from those spirits um whether good or bad also if someone's answer has to deal with death or harm or or possession you must immediately try and end the game starting with them so then we just immediately everyone just stops and just starts to ask hey can i leave can i leave can that's spooky that is scary like (laughs) you're like so desperately trying to leave uh uh-huh yeah because like i'm gonna kill you You're like can i leave like no 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 no, bitch no no." i'm like fuck 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 fuck. i just want to leave um then then you're supposed to bury the book and the candle in the backyard. Do not burn it. Whoa. It, you can wrap it up in a white cloth or a sheet that's white, as well as putting like sage or other wards that you want when you bury the book. So you're supposed to go bury the book in the back and also bury the um, candle, but not together. And then you can like, they said the best thing is to wrap the book in a white cloth or a white sheet. You can sage stuff. You can put other wards that go with your belief systems or whatever, and but you never burn it. So that would be a good intro to a movie if someone's like digging in their backyard and they like hit something and it's like a the red book covered in white Ooh. cloth. Or something. Oh, but no, the cold open is somebody running into the backyard, digging a hole, and then throwing a book. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Goddamn, goddamn. And then the and then the family, the unsuspecting white family, It's like let's build a gazebo in the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> and then boom, demons. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. So that's that's the red book. Damn. Oh, oh, I have a I have a quick story. Yes. Okay, so this story uh, centers around the author, a person named Sebastian uh, Santiago and Camilo. Okay, Camila Cabello. Camila Cabello. <laughs> um, so basically, they start th- they start to play this game, and they're trying to enter in the game, asking it like, "Hey, can I red book? Can I please enter your game?" St- like that. So then, uh, just to like sum up the first like third of the story. So finally, one of us had managed to enter the game. Camilo also got a positive response, so it was my turn. I closed my eyes and concentrated as much as I could. Red book, can I enter your game, I asked. The enter I got left me baffled. One who preserves will reach his goal. Of course, I interpreted this as being a positive answer. I wanted to enter the game because I was dying to ask a question, but would have to wait my turn. I passed the book to Santiago, but he did not get a proper response to his question. Camilo took the book. He thought for a while and finally asked, Red Book, is there any ghost in this house? (gasps) (gasps) Bitch. He asked a question you're not supposed to ask. Yeah. He opened the book and got his answer. Man is always looking for answers to the unknown. Ooh. Ooh. This response left us astonished, but it was Sebastian's turn next. He got permission to enter the game. I was so excited that it was finally my turn. I did not know how much I would regret asking, Red Book, will I be safe tonight? This is the answer I received. Why would you ask that? Jesus Christ. This is the answer I received. Two men appeared and their dreams turned to nightmares. Ooh, I'd end right there. I'd be like, fuck this shit. (laughs) The candles I had arranged on the table flickered ominously, but they didn't go out. I looked at my friends and they could not stop laughing at the frightened expression on my face. I think tonight I'm going to have to sleep with my mother, joked Camilo nervously. I passed the book to Santiago. He asked if I could enter the game and got this response. Go away. No more. Whoa, shit. (laughs) um this time we all looked at each other in surprise it seemed uh, like more than a coincidence camila was the next one to ask the question red book will anything happen when i leave this was the answer his mother who loved him so much never laid eyes on him again 
<laughs> this is so on the nose. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the atmosphere became tense. A cold sweat ran down my face for the first time. I was afraid. I was afraid. Hey, was Camilo, naked. do you think this relates to your comment about sleeping with your mother tonight? What the fuck? <laughs> Asked Santiago. Oh, okay. <laughs> Shut up, Camilo growled. We could hear the fear in his voice. This is giving me the creep, said Sebastian, as he looked around for, uh, for, furtively? Furtively? What the fuck? Sorry, I'll just say. He looked around. This is giving me the creeps, said Sebastian, as he looked around. Maybe we should quit playing now. Not yet, replied, Cam- replied Camilo. We have to exit the game properly. Sebastian took the book and asked, Red Book, can I leave your game? He followed all the steps and read the answer. Only two may leave. What the oh! fuck? It's in the next, it says, he was out. <laughs> It was my turn next. I placed my hand on the book and asked, Red Book, can I leave your game? You're free to do as you please without receiving any punishment. I smiled. That wasn't the answer I that was the answer I was looking for. Same. That wasn't the answer I wanted. I really want to sing a little bit spookier. <laughs> I just wanted to be fucked by a ghost. <laughs> he says, I was out too. Because the book never allowed him to enter the game, Santiago did not need to ask permission to exit. That left Camilo. His hands were shaking as he picked up the book, closed his eyes, and asked Red book, can I leave your game? He opened the book, pointed at and read the answer for eternity. Ah! What? Ah! That's a fun sentence. Camilo's eyes grew wide. <clears throat> Sorry. Camilo's eyes grew wide. He repeated the question again, his voice trembling with fear. The response was, from the darkness it comes, stalking relentlessly. Ooh. Fuck. I- I'm almost done. Sebastian and I laughed nervously. It wasn't funny. We were just trying to hide our fear. Camilo glared at us angrily. We stayed silent. He closed his eyes, took a deep breath, and anxiously asked if he could leave the game. This is the answer he received. Nothing can save you now. Ah! Suddenly, the candles flickered and went out. We were plunged into darkness. Terrified, we all scrambled to our feet, ran out the door, and left the house. Camilo didn't stop when he got outside. He just kept running. We yelled at him to stop, but he didn't seem to hear us. I asked Sebastian and James to follow him and make sure he was okay. I was so spooked that I had to wait for my mother to arrive home before I could go back into the house. That evening, I received a call from Santiago. He told me Camilo was missing. He had never made it home. Somewhere along the way, he disappeared. We tried to call him, but his mobile was turned off. We never saw Camilo again. The police notified, were notified, and a big search was organized, but no trace of him was ever found. Ooh. To this day, nobody knows what happened to him. He Ooh. just vanished. Ooh. His parents are still searching for him, but at this point, most of us have given up hope. Ooh. <laughs> so cute i love that story that's so fun yay again that was not by me um there is it's like unknown author on a website so yay i love it i love that story so much all right shall we jump into my segment yes let me restart my computer really quick so today i'm talking about eton pats so it's friday may 25th 1979 it was a normal day in the Pat's house. Stanley, his father, was in the bathroom shaving, and Julie, his mother, was making breakfast and taking care of the other kids. Six-year-old Eton Pat's begged and begged and begged his parents to let him walk the two-block route to his bus stop for no. the very first time. And his parents finally said, fine, Eton, go walk the bus route. That's fine. So it was the very first time they this ever This is said. literally his first time. His very first time. He's been begging forever, and the parents were finally like, fine. Okay, That's almost as made up as the story that I just read. I know, right? <laughs> Isn't that sad? Fuck this. Yeah. Except this is true crime, so everything I'm saying is real. So everything really happened. <laughs> so everything I'm about to say is fucking real. Yeah. Oh, this is the scary stuff. But um, 
I my story is not as graphic and gruesome as my past like five stories. Yeah. So I thought we all needed a good little break. It's like a PG PG thirteen instead of like NC seventeen like yeah. my other ones. Like <laughs> I'm not instead of a fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not talking about ass steaks in this one. Yeah. I'm just talking about missing kids. So good, woo. Good, good. So Eton was wearing a black pilot cap, a blue corduroy jacket, blue jeans, and blue sneakers with stripes. He packed Aww. an elephant-covered tote bag with his favorite toy cars, and he took a dollar with him to buy a soda so he could have a soda with his um, lunch. And then he stepped outside onto the familiar streets that he would walk every single day with his mom or dad. Eton never made it to the bus. It was only two blocks away, a few minutes. Oh my In God. fact, from their apartment window... Eton's mom Julie could actually see him walking to the bus she watched him for about a block and she turned around she was like oh he's fine and then uh, paid attention to other kids and so within one block Eton was never seen again I'm never having children the day went on both parents were completely unaware that their son was missing Eton's school teacher noticed he was missing but she didn't bother calling the parents um, when Eton didn't come home after school his parents immediately knew something was wasn't right Julie called Stanley and he came home right away. Then she called the school. That's when she discovered that Eton never even made it to school. When she found that out, her legs just completely gave out from underneath oh her God. and she just fell to the floor and just sobbed. Um, Stanley got home, found his wife, called the police. Unfortunately for the Patses um, and the police, eight hours already went by since he went missing. Eight crucial hours. So, you know, like the first 48 hours is the most like crucial time in any mm-hmm. like disappearance or murder and like eight hours is gone like the very first eight hours so nypd dispatched over 100 officers to look around the area they also used bloodhounds and helicopters however it started to rain that night so the bloodhounds were having a really difficult no. time picking up a trace um, that plus the lack of physical evidence witnesses etc made this nearly impossible he was just gone completely um so still, the police went door to door conducting room by room searches, and they interviewed as many people as possible all throughout the night. Stanley, Eton's father, was a professional photographer, so he had hundreds and hundreds of photos of Eton. Mm-hmm. So he uh, printed out a couple thousand uh, missing child posters, and he posted them everywhere. He also got Eton's pictures displayed on the screens in Times Square. Whoa, um, that's newspapers cool. and media outlets were all talking about Eton because Stanley, his father, and the mother, Julie, were pushing and pressing for the media to cover it. Um, Eton became the first missing child to be printed on milk cartons as part of the campaign to help locate children. His case garnered massive media attention and focused the public on the rise of child abductions in the U.S. at this time. It seemed like a kid was going missing every single day. Eton became like the poster child for missing children. He was the the American boy, yeah. the missing kid, Eton. He's, he's like one of the most famous missing kids like in history, missing children. So even though um, Eton Pats became a, a common household name, the police couldn't find anything or any solid lead on his case. Absolutely That's nothing. Um, years went by before any new lead or discovery was made. Uh, police searched for clues for him as far as the Middle East, Germany, Switzerland, everywhere and they couldn't find anything from him but they followed every lead that did come in um president ronald reagan designated may 25th which was like the anniversary of the day eton went missing Mm -hmm. as um, national missing children's day and the national center of missing and exploited children was founded kind of as a result of the push that stanley and julie forced like the media in america to to look at and to be a part of because so many missing kids so many kids are going missing like every fucking day damn so, um, assistant... Fuck Ronald Reagan, though. 
What? Fuck Ronald Reagan, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Assistant United States Attorney Stuart R. Grabois, Graboy, I, I don't know, he received the case in 1985. So keep in mind that Eton went missing in 1979. So now it's 1985. Um, and this dude, Grabois, Graboy, he identified Jose Antonio Ramos, who was a convicted child sexual abuser who had been a friend of Eton's former babysitter as the primary suspect. So in 1982, okay. um, so this is three years before they were like, okay, we think this guy's a suspect. Um, multiple boys had accused Jose Antonio Ramos of trying to lure them into a drain pipe that was right near the Pats's apartment. Like fucking Pennywise. So yeah. So when police searched the drain <laughs> pipe, the they found photographs of Ramos and young boys and they found a bunch of photos of Eton, like the missing children posters and stuff. In the sewer? Yeah, in the sewer, where he was taking boys to rape them. What the fuck? Sorry, never mind. My, mine's probably R <laughs> today. Not PG. What the, wait, what the fuck? That's yeah. like PG. If we just allude to it, yeah. we just watch the people look at the pictures. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it, it's, this is PG. We're still PG-13. <laughs> wait, so because wait of, was, this, was this person ever caught? So yeah, this is they have him like in custody. They like det- they get him in, like they detain him because of this. Yeah. So, oh god, thank god. So yeah, so they they saw these pictures. They saw the pictures of Eton, so that's how they connected him to Eton. Yeah. And they also found out that he was like Jose Ramos was friends with Eton's former babysitter. So like oh okay, god. there's some connections here. Uh, now Grabois, he eventually found out um, that Ramos used to be in custody in Pennsylvania for a child molestation case. So he was he had different child raping and molestation cases around Shit. in a different state even so in 1990 um grabois was deputized as a deputy state attorney general in pennsylvania just so he could prosecute a case against ramos for sexually abusing children and to get information on eton's case so he was questioned um, and he confessed to abducting and raping a young boy the same day as eton um, and he said the boy who he abducted and raped did match Eton's description. However, he did not specifically identify Eton, but he claimed that he was 90% sure it was him. He also stated that he left the boy alive. He just put the boy on the subway. So meaning that the boy would have been able to return home, unlike Eton. Because this guy, like, he raped kids, but he never killed kids. That was, like, his whole thing. He's like, I didn't kill Eton. If I did rape him, maybe I did, but... The kid I did rape that day, I put him on a subway to go home. Oh, my God. Imagine being like a seven-year-old kid and you're just raped and put on a subway. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I would never recover from that. Isn't that crazy to think about? He, like, lured a boy into a drain pipe, violently raped the boy, and then just threw him on a subway. And you're seven. What do you do? I, I don't I don't even know what the next... As a seven-year-old, too, I don't even know, like, what you would even really be thinking what was happening. Your brain just must shut down. It just must shut down. Yeah. Like, okay. So the confession was problematic since there was nothing definitive to really link Ramos to the crime. Like they knew that he raped a boy that looked like Eton. Ramos was like, maybe it's Eton. Maybe it wasn't. Like they had pictures of Eton like in the drain pipe, but still there wasn't any like real evidence except like, yeah, maybe I did it. Maybe I didn't. I don't really know. Um, And then in 1991, while Ramos was incarcerated... A a jailhouse informant told FBI agent Mary Galligan that Ramos had told him that he knew what happened to Eton and gave him intimate details about Eton and the rape. And now Ramos Ramos even drew a map of Eton's school bus route so he knew where Eton's going to be picked up. But still, somehow, I don't know how this is like, 
obviously out of what I know in terms of like law and shit, they couldn't tie him directly to the crime. So they couldn't press actual charges for the rape and kidnapping of Eton for Ramos. Now, it took eight more years for the police to even able to really identify him as a primary suspect. Again, though, they couldn't put him on trial with any real evidence. It's all just, he said this at this time, he said this at this time, pointing fingers at each other type of thing. Damn. Um, Eton's body was never found, and so he was legally declared dead in 2001. Stanley and Julie, those are his parents, if you remember, um, they were tired of waiting around for the police and wanted some sort of justice. So in 2004, they pursued and won a civil case against Ramos. They uh, were awarded a sum of $2 million, but they never collected it because it wasn't about the money to them. They couldn't, they could care less about the money. It was just about getting some form of closure for them because the parents really did believe that Ramos was responsible for the death of Eton. Um, so the criminal case um, was left technically unsolved, though. Now, every year on Eton's birthday and the anniversary of his disappearance, Stanley sent Ramos a copy of his son's missing child poster, and on the back he would type, why did you do this to my little boy? And he'd send it to him every single birthday. Oh, my God. Isn't that sad? That's just so sad. That's, that's sad. Um, Ramos denied that he killed Eton. He was like, no, I didn't kill him. Maybe I raped him, but I definitely didn't kill him. Um, but he still served a 20-year prison sentence in Pennsylvania for raping and molesting a bunch of other kids. Okay. Um, he was released from prison on November 7th, 2012. Goddamn. Soon after his release, he was arrested again on a Megan's Law violation because he just continued raping kids. What the fuck? They let, they let this guy out, but he was continuously raping kids. Don't they found let him a drain out. pipe. They're sick. Yeah, they they found a drain pipe in New York with another drain pipe. No, I'm saying they found when they found his drain pipe full of little boy photographs. He ta- he openly talks about raping little boys, and yet you let him out. Anyways. Ever. Anyways, so now let's flash forward to 2010. So remember, Eton went missing in 1979, and now we're at 2010. So in 2010, the case landed on the desk of Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance Jr. Um, Vance Jr. officially reopened the case on May 25th, 2010. So on April 19th, 2012, FBI and NYPD investigators began excavating a basement next to the Pats' home in connection to Eton's case. And after a four-day search, investigators announced there was nothing conclusive found. However, the search didn't didn't yield anything, but because it received a lot of media coverage, um, it caused a huge influx of new calls and tips and everything. So it like broke open the case again. Okay. It was suddenly in everyone's uh, on everyone's radar. One tip they received changed the entire investigation. So Jose Lopez reached out to investigators um, because he believed that Pedro Hernandez, who was his brother-in-law, was responsible for Eton's disappearance. Pedro was 18 years old at the time of Eton's disappearance, and he worked as a grocery store clerk at the bodega that's right next to Eton's bus stop. Damn. So Nina Hernandez, who is Pedro's sister, and Thomas Rivera, who is the family priest, they also came forward and told police about a public confession that Pedro made shortly after Eton went missing. Pedro confessed in front of a fuckload of people at a church that he kidnapped and killed Eton. But for whatever fucking reason, because it happened in the church and they just covered it up. They just yeah. So everyone just didn't bother going to tell the police. Now that they he this was only after a few weeks after Eton went missing. So this poor fucking family went through like thirty years Years of wondering where their son is when people knew what happened to Eton. So he so wait yeah what did he do? So according to Hernandez's sister, it was an open family secret that he confessed in church. So on May 24, 2012, New York Police Commissioner Raymond Kelly announced that 
51-year-old Pedro Hernandez was the prime suspect for the Eton Pats case. Pedro Hernandez confessed and and, uh, when he requested, sorry, Pedro Hernandez confessed when questioned and he wrote in his written confession, I'm sorry, I shook him. Um, Now, remember the dollar that Eton had to buy a soda. Mm -hmm. So what happened is Eton was walking to his bus and he stopped in that bodega store to buy a soda and Pedro, who was working there that day, lured um, Eton down to the basement and then he beat the shit out of, strangled, and uh, murdered Eton, and then put his body in a plastic bag and then threw it in the dumpster right outside. Wait, so he didn't rape him? Uh, I couldn't find out if he raped him. I don't really know if it was sexual or not. Okay. I am just going to assume it Whereas, was, because oh, yeah. normally when people I'm murder kids... I'm it didn't happen. Yeah, m- normally when people murder kids, some form of sexual yeah, yeah, assault sexual is involved, weird, but I didn't read that specifically, so I don't know. I'm can't really assume that but i can also assume probably true uh and maybe even if he didn't full-on rape eton and maybe maybe he got sexual pleasure who knows yeah who knows he's a sick fuck he murdered a first grade kid for like no reason um so 33 years after the disappearance the police finally made an arrest for the case nypd had a confession but no physical evidence but they still went ahead and charged pedro hernandez with second degree murder so without physical evidence, the trial was hard. On December 12, 2012, um, Hernandez pleaded not guilty. In April of 2013, his defense attorney filed a motion to, dis- to dismiss the case because, in quotes, confession and one of the nation's most notorious child disappearances was false, um, peppered with questionable claims and made after almost seven hours of police questioning. So to put that in different terms, he pretty much said that this is one of the most like high profile missing kids cases, mm-hmm. especially in like the state of New York. And the police were just trying to pin something on someone. So they they questioned him for seven hours straight and pretty much forced a confession out of him. So that's what his defense attorney was trying to say. It was a false yeah, confession. Yeah. Um, however, New York Supreme Court Justice Maxwell Wiley um, ruled out that the evidence was, in quotes, legally sufficient to support the charges and that the case could move forward. So the next month, the same defense attorney then tried to argue that Pedro wasn't fit to stand trial. Then they found Pedro to fit trial. And then after that, they had a hearing in September 2014 about whether his statements were made before um, his Miranda rights were read. Um, Because if they were made before the Miranda Miranda rights were read, then they could be dismissed in Uh the trial. So then they had this whole debate whether or not the Miranda rights are there and blah, blah, blah. They're going back and forth. Like the defense attorney, like he knew. It like wasn't even about the boy at that point. Yeah. They, like he was just trying to like get Pedro off or get as little time as possible. Pretty yeah. Much. Which is his job, but still. Fuck yeah. It. Which is his job. But goddamn. That's so the, problem. the case resulted in a mistrial in May 2015 due to a hung journey, which was jury, um, which was deadlocked 11 against one for conviction. Um, a retrial began on October 19, 2016 in New York City court with um, jury deliberations on February 2017. So on February 14, 2017, Hernandez was found guilty of kidnapping and felony murder. On April 18, 2017, Hernandez was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Finally, Stanley and Julie had real closure. Finally, Eton's case was solved. It was solved in 2017, and he disappeared in 79, but at least Damn. they had closure. So Stanley and Julie's life, it was never the same after Eton went missing. They were blamed and highly criticized in the media for letting their son walk by himself. Stanley made a comment during a documentary I watched that, that really struck me because I felt really sorry for them. He said, 
at every point when you're a parent like, or at there's always a point when you're a parent that one day you're gonna let your kid walk to the bus stop by themselves yeah like everyone's gonna get to that point yeah maybe we did it too early but i'm not the reason why my kid's dead like you can't look at me and my wife and say we're the reasons our kid is dead some monster decided to murder our little boy that day yeah like everyone walks the fucking bus stop at one point like stop making us like we're criminals oh they were that was the story like the news story yeah as everyone was like blaming the parents because the parents let him walk to the bus stop by himself because yeah if the parents i guess didn't if the parents walked to them then it wouldn't have happened but still it's like it's not the parents fault it's like the kid, the guy, the bodega guy, Pedro Hernandez, decided to murder a little boy. At, and if it wasn't like first Eton, and that... second grade, I was doing that. Yeah, exactly. Like I started. We would climb the tree at the bus stop. There were like six or five of us. Yeah. And it's only two blocks away from their house. Yeah, it was. You know, everyone just wants to blame everybody, especially so high profile. And they didn't. The police didn't have anything. So the media was just picking up whatever they could. Yeah. Just to have a story. Um, so even though the media put the blame on them, Stanley and Julie still pushed Eton's case um, to the front of every news station, to the front of every paper, to the milk cartons, everything. They were desperate to find answers, and they didn't stop looking for their son's murderer until he was finally behind bars. Throughout the years, they had people showing up to their house pretending to be Eton, letters sent to them demanding ransom, phone calls from people claiming to be Eton or claiming to know what happened to him. And even though their hearts broke like a little bit more every single time, one of these people would fuck with them pretty much mm-hmm. they still answered the doors they still responded to the letters they still picked up the phones just in case maybe it was Eton or maybe it was the kidnapper maybe this person is finally going to be the person that's going to crack this case wide open but finally they got closure in 2017 and they can put Eton to rest nice so that, that's the missing kids shit for you guys damn see i didn't do a anything graphic today i thought it was going to be a good break yeah that was pg-13 next week i'm going to go back to nc-17 you could maybe even do like pg in the 80s yeah totally (laughs) totally yeah wouldn't that be crazy though if you like if you're if your kid just disappeared like that like you watched your kid walk to the bus stop they were pretty much there you're like okay great you turn around and then they're gone like within like Five minutes after the mom last saw him, he yeah. was down in a basement That's getting strangled. That's almost like the same. Yeah, literally. Yeah, within five minutes. Yeah. He is getting strangled and maybe raped by some dude. Yeah. That's the, crazy. Yeah. The crazier part is that that one child rapist was so like nonchalant. Yeah, I raped kids. Yeah, I raped kids. And then he's like, yeah, I raped a kid that day and I just put him on a subway. There's some poor kid out there right now, some like grown ass man yeah. that was violently raped by some child predator in New York City in 1970, May 25th, 1979. And yeah. probably he's blocked it out because it's so horrific. But he got he got led to a drain pipe, raped, and then thrown on a subway. Led to a drain pipe. Fucked up. No. It's some Pennywise That's why shit. you show your, your children horror movies. Yeah. Stranger <laughs> fucking danger. Because <laughs> if anybody led me towards a drain pipe, <laughs> no. Yeah, I'd be like, fuck you, bitch. Be like, fuck you, you're a demon. Bye. <laughs> so, anyways, Corey, how's your sex life going? Sex life's good. We're in California. Fuck yeah. Yeah, bitch. We're about to go to dispensary soon. Yeah, we're about to go to dispensary. Um, what else? We began drunk at the beach. We were drunk at the beach. We were at the beach. My life was complete the past two days. We listened to Lana. We listened to Lana Del Rey. We were drinking. There was sun in our eyes, sand in our tits. And our clits. And our clits. Um, and then we got in the water, and that was fun. Channa got in the water. I did. I was so drunk so I got drunk. in the water. <laughs> 
I was so hammered. And my titties have been falling out of my bathing suit. <laughs> it was <laughs> Every time I would come back, you'd be like, I'm so drunk and my tits are all over the place. They're all over and the place. There's like a five-year-old boy like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and this is a very incriminating podcast for us, this it episode. Because uh, Corey my, was a child predator earlier. No, I'm not a child and predator. And now we're saying that I, my tits are falling out from a five-year-old. No. God damn we it. We are going to jail. We're going to jail. <laughs> um they weren't super falling out they weren't it just yeah. it was you were just worried it was a very slutty bathing suit yeah though. it was a little slutty yeah <laughs> i loved it it's okay there were like there were a couple of women around us laying topless yeah 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 they just like you know when you lay down and then you like unstrap the strap yes yeah, daddy there were like five or six like that and there were also families nobody really cared it's Ooh, the beach and we got wahoos, wahoos and we got wahoos was, yay shout out to wahoos love that place um we got drunk week. had sex in the shower yeah um what else that's it it was really fun super fun it's been a really good week mm-hmm. yeah, jordan was here at the beginning of the week and we got super wasted and had like balls hobby sex you know the classics yes and then yeah it's just been we're going to dispensary that's what i'm just so excited for so i'm like let's go to dispensary yeah yeah but yeah it's been a great week summer is coming to an end not really it's like august 12th but I mean, i'm like it's fall now i mean it's more than it's like two-thirds of the way over it's more, true more than the next summer activity i want to do is that like river rafting tubing thing yeah that um, we talked about yeah 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 that i think like yeah technically summer's over in like four weeks Crazy. or three summer's yeah. over my cast is off it's time to bar- oh, simone and s'mores are friends everybody <gasps> big announcement they're cuddling they started cuddling yesterday with jordan yeah no with each other jordan oh walked in God. on them like private cuddling <sighs> and then simone was like oh, i'm not cuddling s'mores s'mores the bitch but jordan totally saw simone cuddling s'mores that's cute s'mores was the little spoon simone was nooking s'mores oh. i know it's fantasy it's supply fantasy growth coming true growth <laughs> Yeah, I'm just super excited. I'm so excited. Like, I love summer. Summer's my favorite. Well, fall has always been my favorite growing up. But since we moved to Utah, summer's my favorite because it's goddamn fucking cold in winter. Yeah, yeah. And But fall is still, like, my all-time favorite. Um, So I'm just, like, I mean, we got our summer. I'm ready for summer to, like, be over because I'm just so excited for Spooktown. Yeah, yes. <laughs> We're going to have so much fun this fall. Yeah, because, like, the first cold front in September, which happens, like, in the late teens, I'm like, it's Halloween. Yeah, and I'll be wet yep. with dread. With dread. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for listening to this this California Live episode. Yeah. Because you're going to be listening to this in about two hours. Yeah, so. like, this will be come out, and this will come out in your face in, like, uh, three hours. Come in, yeah, in at your most. face. Yeah. So our biggest question to you guys is... Anyways. How's your sex life? <laughs> Bye, guys. I don't know if you're going to even hear it in my life. <laughs> See you next week. Bye. We'll be back in Utah. Ugh. Fuck us.